Good morning. It is Friday. It is June. It's Juneteenth. I learned that this year, but it, the actual date is Friday, June 19th. And welcome to EMAC Podcast and Coffee. So we're excited today because we are back in the studio at our a Shared Universe podcast studio partner. Um, we have Ming Chen on the boards. I have a guest co-host today, Ray Eckhoff from Provident Bank. He's also an EMAC board member, and he's also chairman of the board for CPC Behavioral Health, which you might get the connection because our guests today are Carrie Herbert and Ken Pecoraro from CPC Behavioral Health. So hi, guys. They're joining us on Zoom, but Ray and I are hanging out with Ming in the studio today, so it's kind of exciting being back. Good How morning. Good morning. Good morning. The last morning. time, the last time we were in the studio was on March twentieth, and it was the first time we'd ever done a Zoom podcast because Garden State Film Festival was our guest, and they had to go into quarantine prior to doing their virtual um, Garden State Film Festival. So it was our first experience. It went well, and um, who knew we were going to be doing it remotely for three months right. after that? So two months, three months after that. So uh, we're excited to be back here. Um, hi, Marie. Marie says, hi, Carrie. She's watching. So, oh, hi, Marie. <laughs> um, we love it when our fans top, pop in and say hello. So um, it took me a while to get used to doing them on Zoom. So now it's taking me a little while to feel comfortable back in the studio. So um, I'm sorry if I seem a little spastic. Um, let me give you guys an update on what Emacs been doing. Um, I've been updating you on Zoom, so it's uh, pretty much the same stuff, but um, we are still hosting our EMAC business after hours on Tuesday nights at five o'clock via Zoom, and they are really fun. Sometimes we have a small group, sometimes we have a big group, but we break into little um, smaller groups, and we've been working on exercises, networking exercises, ways to get to know people a little differently, and the nice thing about re being on these on a regular basis is you're getting to know more people better as well. So your network and your connections are growing a little deeper, which we started out this year saying that our tagline for EMAC for 2020 was EMAC Connections. So, hey, we're working on them. Um, we have um, been announcing, looking forward, our golf outing, which Ray's co-chair. <laughs> um, September 15th, we'll be at Jumping Brook um, Country Club for our Tell them about it, Ray, because it's, it's so funny. It's our nine and dine. And, and the great part about this is that we um, it's it's a unique way of uh, playing nine holes of golf. We only allow you to bring three clubs. You can't share the clubs with any of your um, teammates. And the chamber provides the putter uh, on the green. So you can't bring your own putter. Um, so you only get your three clubs, which is a little bit difficult to manage around a course that's a regular sized course. So um, it does present some obstacles, but it's a lot of fun because the putters on the greens are things like a crutch or a broom or a tennis racket. Or in the case of, um, you know, certain situations last year, we actually brought one of my uh, one of my dad's artificial legs, which um, really prompted <laughs> a lot of reaction on the green. Um, especially since I was playing with my, uh, my primary care physician and he, and he looked up and he said, Oh my gosh, is that your dad's leg? <laughs> and I'm like, yep. And he's like, that's weird. So it's a lot of fun. It's not designed to be a, you know, a challenging, um, you know, course and, and, and time. It's, it's really just nine holes in the afternoon designed to be fun. Um, and, and to do a little networking afterwards. 
So, oh. so we have that. And then we are also taking nominations currently for our 2021 Spinnaker Awards. So that event is um, also co-chaired by Ray Echo. <laughs> And Marino Glows. Um, and they are, and that's going to be January 27th, 2021. So we're planning ahead. Um, we're hoping to have our first in-networking event at the end of July. Um, and we are just waiting for confirmation on location for that. So it will be outside with lots of space before we decide to all go together. Um, but it'll be a nice try. And uh, so that's what the chamber has been working on. Yeah. yeah. That's what we've been working on, and a lot of Zoom meetings. So, um, anyway, I feel really strange. I don't know if it's because I'm here with Ray and not Tim, who usually covers for me when I don't know what to say, or if it's because we're back in the studio and it feels so strange. It feels awesome strange. Awesome strange. So, anyway, let's say hi to Carrie Herbert, who um, I will just give a special shout-out, has been my mentor in nonprofit work for years. Um, she is just an amazing person in not nonprofit and fundraising and a very intelligent woman. Um, and really super nice too. gotta say, I really like her. So, uh, and then, um, we have Ken who I have met a few times, but don't know him nearly as well, but he knows how to do podcasts. So I might just turn the whole thing over to him too. What do you think? <laughs> so, um, you guys want to decide which one of you'd like to start and tell us a little bit about CPC? Oh, you both are so Sorry, generous. No, 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 no. I was asking if, if Kerry wanted to go. I'm more than happy to, to, to talk about CPC. Uh, so just a basic overview. We're um, an outpatient uh, mental health and addiction treatment center in Monmouth County, multiple locations throughout Monmouth County. Uh, and uh, we're not for profit in like the, in the truest sense, you know, our mission is definitely uh, to try to help people that are in need with, you know, we take, we have grant funding, we help people with no insurance and, and or like underinsured, but we also take people with insurance, but we're pretty much there for everybody who needs it. And uh, we've been around for 60 years and, you know, our mission is to help people. Like when we hire staff, we, we hire people who are motivated to help people. And it's definitely uh, helped us get through this latest pandemic, having a very motivated staff. But uh, we're pretty well known in, in Monmouth County. I think we're the la- largest mental health and uh, addiction treatment provider in the area. It's pretty much a basic overview. That's a basic overview. I know you're chaired by a fabulous board chair. How many people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, it's fascinating watching, you know, you're living in such a new world now. It's fascinating watching your family members work in their different, you know, roles like Ray's been super busy doing well doing the commercial loans for Provident um but then I can always tell when he switches into he gets a little happier but he's still still got, still, still got work to do yeah still got work to do when he's on the phone with you guys so it's really pretty interesting <laughs> so yeah I have the same situation my wife can tell who I'm on the phone with just by the way if I pace a lot or the way I'm <laughs> acting uh, she'll be like, you know, so-and-so, that must have been so-and-so. I'm like, man, how can you tell? She could tell by, just by my demeanor. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's really funny because our girls are complaining because we're both really loud on the phone. I guess we both talk very loud on the phone. Yeah. So, yeah. And so <laughs> we're on t- separate floors. We have to close the doors. It's really interesting. So uh, you want to say anything about what you, why you um, – Sure. I mean, going back a number of years, Carrie and I have known each other um, – 
quite a long time as well. I, okay. I don't remember the first time we really ever met, but it was it, it had to have been at least 15 years ago. Minimum. At least, yeah. Um, you know, and I was aware of what the organization was doing, but at the t- at that particular time, I was actually the chair of the board of the chamber, and I was also on the board of a couple other organizations. And um, you know, Carrie had asked me, you know, do you think <clears throat> you might be interested? And I said, well, I'm definitely interested. It's just that I don't know if I really have the right time to devote. So after I spun off a couple of the other boards, I joined the board of um, CPC, and you know, I just gradually became more ingrained into what they were doing um, and realizing more and more about the situations that arise with so many people within Monmouth County um, and, and everything that CPC did. And once I, I realized all of that, um, you know, I, I was very motivated to help. And uh, over the years, things just kind of fell into place where I was able to uh, to work with the board, become part of the executive committee and then become board chair. And I'll be chairing the board um, for another year coming up starting uh, in 10 days or 12 oh, days, really? 13 Is that really when? Wow. So um, that'll be for another year till next June. So I'm looking forward to that. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's when you realize how hard um, the employees of CPC work for <clears throat> what is probably far underpaid for what it is that they do. And for the length of time that they they, they serve the people that um, th- that need the help, it, it's it's truly amazing what this this staff can overcome and and what it did overcome during the pandemic. So, um, I'm just so proud to be the chair of the board of the organization. Yeah, you guys picked well. Just saying, he's really good. Yeah, doing a great job. Absolutely, <laughs> we love Ray. <laughs> I think the we- feeling's mutual. We did. We did. We did get really lucky. Ray is Ray is a board chair who rolls up his sleeves, and it's not you know just a title for him. He takes his role very seriously. He devotes the time. He's you know learned an awful lot about the organization, so he can help you know lead the organization and make informed decisions. And you know that's really important for us to be able to carry out our mission, which you know is very challenging in these times. You know, I think that um, that is such a key thing to say, Carrie, about a board in general. You know, having a board member who will roll up their sleeves and get involved and have a passion and learn and make it their mission as well to make the the group that they're leading succeed is definitely an admirable quality. So it was funny when I first started work. Yeah. When I first started working for the chamber and Ray was on the board and I saw him in a board meeting, you know, you see, it's very strange when it's a husband wife thing and we totally are in work mode. But I, I just all of a sudden was like, wow, I know why everybody really wants him on this board. He's really good. (laughs) So, yeah. So actually, I just remembered the funny story about, I think, probably one of the first times I met Carrie, we were at a CPC event. And the bank you were working for was being honored, wasn't it? It was CPC, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And oh, yeah. um, it was our. It was ten years ago, Jen. Yeah. It was our fiftieth. Yeah. And anybody who's been in an event that I've attended since then will know that it's you know not unique to our event. <laughs> um, but we were in a location, and the acoustics were not great, and yeah. it was really hard to hear the presenters. It was hard to hear everything, and because of the way it was set up, people were enjoying the evening together. 
and not really realizing why we were there. And it was like, I don't know, one of the first times you were standing up accepting the award. I mean, it was a big deal. And there's me. I stand up in the middle of someone speaking from the front of the room and I turn around and I just loudly say, could I have everyone's attention, please? We're doing something important here. It would be nice if you could be considerate and give them your attention. Um, And ironically, Julia Zapsik remembers me meeting me that night and won't let me forget that that's it. And Julia is now (laughs) on our board for EMAC as well. So and Julia, Julia and Mike and Ming are the owners of a shared universe. So it's a small world. And luckily, I didn't offend too many people by doing that. And they're still talking to me this many years later. But when you see me walking in circles around a place, it's a pet peeve I have of not paying attention. So I'll uh, I'll say that. So you want to ask Jennifer? I remember that that Ray was always at uh, various EMAC events, and he would walk because he's so tall. He'd walk around with signs shushing people. Do you remember that, Ray? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Did you? Oh yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I just use my big mouth. Yeah, that's Hence the difference between Ray and I, Ken. I was telling you, Ray's the serious one. I'm just walking around (laughs) shushing people. He would politely carry a sign. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one, uh, you know, so one of the things that we wanted to just get into is a little bit more detail, a little more depth on on, on what CP does, CPC does, and where do they, what the areas they serve. So, I mean, maybe you can um, let us know. I know, as a board member, obviously, and chair of the board, we've been venturing into different areas of Monmouth County um, with expansion grants that were provided by um, the federal government. Maybe you could tell some um, some of the folks about where our locations are and. Um, you know, and the types of people that we serve, you know, age groups and so on. Sure. Uh, yeah, we're all over Monmouth County, but we definitely we uh, serve across the border to uh, other counties as well. Like we get a good amount of Ocean County uh, people as well. We get some Middlesex, too. Um, so our 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 five outpatient locations are uh, the, our biggest one is in Middletown, Red Bank. It's it's it's, it's Middletown with Red Bank mailing address. And then we also have Freehold, Aberdeen, Howell, and Neptune. Did I cover them all? Yep. Yeah. Five, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're throughout Monmouth County. And, uh, yeah, um, we have the same services pretty much, you know, some, just with some variation at every, at every program, at every uh, building. But we also have community outreach programs as well circa coming out of our Eaton Town office. We, uh, we run the Children's Mobile Response Team, and they're, they're housed in our Eatontown offices. Well, we actually have two Eatontown offices because we have uh, some other uh, uh, community outreach programs in, in the uh, Eatontown West office as well um, for adults helping with housings, employment, things like that. I think it, it, we can add to, you know, you hear about all these locations. You know, CPC serves um, over 10,000 people annually. Through its programs, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you have, business. yeah, yeah. I mean, then when if you were looking at the um, types of people that we serve, I mean, there really is no limitation to, to age to the people that we serve. Correct? No, we get a, no all over the map. I mean, uh, as young as uh, you know, toddlers, and you know, old as as old can be. We get every everything in between. Definitely, there's no. We get the whole s- spectrum of uh, people, age, ages, shapes, sizes, you name it, we get everything. Um, I mean, in Monmouth County, you know, it, it depends on, you know, the area, but, you know, we, we serve the area that we're in. So uh, 
we get uh you know people from all over with all kinds of, we have people who are homeless we have people who live in mansions we have everything in between too you know so we get the you know we don't that's one thing i've been at cpc 19 years and if you look at my resume before i started at cpc i jumped from job to job i was just looking for the right place and then when i came to cpc in 2001 for many for many reasons i was like this is the place i want to stay because and the main one being that cpc is definitely about the the clients first and uh we've oh i'm part of the grant writing team for cpc as well so is kerry and we always make sure that we have funding to help people who need it so we're not turning people away who need the help and uh i've done, i've always admired that about the place i'm like okay this place cares about people you know what i mean so it's a it's a you know it's, it's i'm actually proud to be part of the cpc because it's i think that we're a very needed service in the area there's a lot of mental health and there's there's a lot of substance use going on i'm actually the director of addiction services so if i talk a lot about addictions it's because that's what i've been involved in and uh but but mental health as well we are there's really a need it's not like something that people are just uh going to because you know they you know you know they just need somebody to talk to that does happen but we we're, we serve a lot of people that without us would be in hospitals or institutions and things like that and we make it possible for them for people to live productive lives in the community because of all the support we provide you know, something you just mentioned, you know, that you you mentioned that if um, if if we weren't providing our services, there'd be a lot of people that were in hospitals. But over the last several years, maybe you can um, go into a little bit about how we are working more closely with the hospitals, you know, to to really get the patients and our clients the services that they need. Yeah, we work very closely with the hospitals. We have uh, we we keep special slots just for hospitals the hospitals are that when people get discharged from psychiatric units that's one of our priority admissions so we usually uh, you know our policy is to get somebody in as soon as possible when they're out of the psych hospital to try to transition them to get services right away um to to make it so that they don't go back to the hospital because when somebody's at their most vulnerable point you know if somebody goes in for a suicide attempt or if they go into like a rehab and they you know they they just got got out of detox. You want to get somebody linked into treatment right away for the outpatient, so there's not that gap when things go south again. You know, so that's a priority for us. Always has been, and they will continue to be. Yeah, I was going to say mental health and drug addiction or substance abuse and addiction. Neither one of those are. Um, they're all encompassing. There's not a specific type of people. You know, it, it's non unforgiving in who it affects. Um, so it's, it's very wide range you can't target a specific, it's everybody and you offer services for everybody. And I, the word escaped me cause it was a really good word I was going to use. Now I'm babbling. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's, um, you can't, you really have to be there for all points. And you had said before all ages that you do and all, um, economic status and mental health, I would think <laughs> is being affected more so with the pandemic. Are you guys finding that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but on to your other point, as far as CPC is what's considered and we're an integrated treatment model. So that means we treat uh, mental health and substance use addiction at the same time. And we've we've been doing that like now the world has moved in that direction. But again, when I started in 2001, we were doing it back then. Back then, people would be like, oh, we're just mental health. And they would turn away people with drug problems or people would be say, oh, we're just an addiction program. And they would turn away people with mental health. 
But we've always, since I've been there, we've taken both and we have, we make sure that our staff is, is uh, cross trained to do both. So, um, cause it, cause you're right. They, they, they exist together. You can't, mm-hmm. it's, it, you can't serve one in a vacuum. Someone's mental health is clearly going to affect their addiction if they're, they have a drug problem and vice versa. Uh, so it's, it's very important. So in as far, um, as far as terms of the COVID-19, that's the, uh, the pandemic it's, yeah, mental health, all that stuff has heightened, you know, all the drug use, the mental health people. Are, if you think about just, you could kind of put, use yourself as a reference point. Everybody's a little more anxious now with everything going on in the world. So it would be no different with somebody with a co-occurring uh, uh, mental health and substance use problem. It's uh, people's, people's issues have definitely heightened during this time. And uh, it's been, it's been a challenge, but we're rising to the challenge, but it's the, the the need is definitely out there. You can see people are, uh, you know, they're isolated and, you know, being isolated is one of the worst things for when you have a mental health or substance use problem. It's it, and uh, where it's good to be, be available for people during this time because they definitely need it. There's no doubt about it. Hey, Ken, didn't you mention in a meeting the other day that um, locally and nationally, there have been more uh, an increase in accidental overdoses? Yeah, we were see, New Jersey was making progress with the overdose thing. You know, New Jersey put a lot of effort into, you know, o- overdose prevention and CPC has been involved in that as well. But uh, I don't know how much data is. That's funny. So one of my uh, coworkers actually sent me an article last night. I don't have any. I, I didn't read it yet, but um, she sent it to me like in the middle of the night last night. But um, uh, I from what I hear, the anecdotally, for sure, the overdoses are up again. And I hear we've we've lost a lot of our gains uh, and, uh, but I'm, I think the data is coming out to show that as well, that the, uh, you know, just the, the isolation and the, the lack of connection has definitely increased, uh, people, uh, using, you know, relapsing, using heroin again, and we've unfortunately lost some people and it's, you know, it's really traumatizing for the staff because we get really close with the clients and especially someone who's doing well, you know, with heroin, you could just, you can just use again once it could be the fir- first time in six months. And with all that fentanyl out there, it's, you know, it could be a, it's a death sentence. And the other thing that I'm seeing on the rise big time is uh, alcohol use, you know, people that don't have access to drugs or drinking. And uh, there is some, some big hardcore drinking going on out there as well. So do you, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, Do you think, what are you guys doing to um, like, what are some common practices that you are doing to, or recommend to people who you know are at risk, um, people who are struggling and knowing it's harder now um, with the pandemic? Is there a specific, like, have you found you're using different tools? Are you recommending different tools, different exercises, different, like, is there anything different you're doing to work more closely with those at risk? That's a good question. It's just, it's, you know, it's been a learning curve for everybody because there's not, there's no precedent for this. You know what I mean? So, like well, the principles of recovery, whether it's for mental health and substance use are the same, but it's just the way to get the needs met are, is different now. So, you know, support and coping skills and all those things are still just as important, but a lot of those things you can't do anymore. It's like if your coping skill was, uh, you know, uh, going to the gym, you know, you can't do that anymore. So we're, we're, you know, we're trying to be clever. You know what I mean? Fortunately, a lot of the world in our community, Monmouth County is great as far as, uh, 
getting together, you know, uh, putting more things online, resources, support groups. There's been a lot of that. You know, people have definitely risen to the occasion. Uh, we work very well with um, in, in the addiction world where there's a, an organization called RAFs, Recovery Advocates for the Shore. They're, they um, provide recovery coaches who will call people. Also, New Jersey has uh, has uh, uh, recovery advocates as well. So uh, it's just moving to the online world. You know, it's not the same, but it's better than nothing. And it's good. It's del- it's, it helps. But, uh, you know, we're just, again, being clever, being creative, doing what we can to, to try to get people linked to to what, what, what does work through this time. I want to add to that too. One of the things um, that CPC did as the, as the, you know, the stay at home orders were being executed was to make a decision to really assess the most vulnerable high risk clients and kind of put a plan together for them. And additionally um, we have crisis units. Uh, Can you want to talk a little more about, how the crisis unit for adults is is kind of used to also work with some of the folks that are a little more uh, vulnerable and high risk. Yeah, well, we call them the community support team now because it's not just a crisis. It's actually more crisis prevention, but we do respond to crisis as well. So if you're a CPC client, if you're enrolled in CPC at any on any level, we have a team of, of people who, who are, uh, provide that additional support for when we're closed. So let's say it's Friday afternoon and you're a clinician and you're working with, you know, your patient, uh, Mary and Mary's having a really rough afternoon. And, uh, it looks like she's, you know, she's maybe thinking about whatever she's her depression is increased or she's thinking about hurting herself, but it's not serious enough to send her to the hospital, but you don't want to let the whole weekend go by. We, we, we put, you can put a, put an order into our community support team and our community support team will call her over the weekend and if necessary, now that we're moving back, we're going to be going uh, actually act to doing visits and home visits as well. Um, you know, of course, using social distancing and masks and everything. So that extra support helps helps people immensely. We hear it all the time, like they got through the weekend because they had that somebody checking in with them, especially someone who was alone or with limited family support. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's we've become that's part of what, what we're this thing called a CCBHC. It's a Certified Community Behavioral Health Clinic. It's a federal distinction. Um, as far as uh, it's, just, it's a model that integrates all these things. And one of the things uh, we was to add the community support team for that, for that extra uh, support around the clock. So it's been very, that's one of, been a great thing to have, you know, all the clinicians love it, you know, mm-hmm. to have that extra help. Yeah. The, the CCBHC has been a big, um, it's been very, very interesting um, for the organization. And um, I think, you know, without getting too technical, the, the, the CCBHC is a, is a pilot program by the federal government that's been funded. There were only eight states, Ken, right, that were originally? Yeah, right. And New mm-hmm. Jersey was one of them. And then they broke that down even further and said there's only a certain number of organizations that will be yeah. under this CCBHC. Um, and, you know, there's we were seven we were, in New Jersey. And we were fortunate enough to be one of them. And Ken hit, hit on it with the exact word, the, the integrated model. And that that integrated model is is not just saying, well, you know, if, if you have a you, you may have somebody that has a codependency issue um, or you may have somebody that has a, a certain mental health issue and um, and it, uh, an addiction issue. But they also may have a physical issue. They may be dealing with a heart issue. And really what this the CCPHC does, it says, OK, CPC, 
go out and bring everything together and serve this client to make it the best um, service possible. And the results that we're seeing are, are, are dramatic and fantastic. So maybe you could just jump into a little bit about, about what we're seeing from that. First of all, that's for the board chairman. That's an amazing description of a CCBHC. Like you deserve an, an A for that. That was, you know, how many board chairmen can describe it that well? That's, that's actually a perfect description of it. It's an integrated model. So we've been integrating mental health and addiction for decades now. That's always been our specialty. So now, just like Ray brought out uh, so eloquently, that's perfect description. Um, we're the, the bringing the future of healthcare is one-stop shopping, bringing medical into it. So at some point, you'll be anybody will be able to go to uh, a place like CPC and get it all done. As far as uh, the CCBHC is the first move into that direction. So we don't provide the medical care itself, but we, through linkages and case management, we make sure our clients are getting the medical care that they need. So we're working with primary care physicians, uh, federally qualified health centers like um, the VNA. Um, we, we work hand in hand with places like that. So when somebody comes in, they might be using heroin and they might be suffering from bipolar disorder, but they also might have not have taken their diabetes medication for five years because they've been living, you know, whatever kind of life. And, you know, that might kill them just as quick as the drugs do. So it's part of our mission now being a CCBHC to assign a medical case manager to that person and make sure that person now is getting linked with a doctor who, you know, takes their insurance or who um, can help them out with no insurance so they can get their diabetes taken care of as well. Cause that's just as important piece of the puzzle. So you'll see when we're talking about this again, hopefully in 10 years, you'll see that it'll be one stop shopping. You know, somebody goes to get it all done in one place because it's all interrelated. Just like we knew we said the mental health and the uh, substance use are interrelated. The medical is, is a huge piece right. of this as well. You know, getting your pain taken care of, getting your diabetes, heart problems, uh, you know, we're seeing all kinds of medical stuff. Uh, and it's, again, our job is to help people live happier, more healthy, productive lives. And why wouldn't we take care of medical? I and mean, it makes, it makes sense. And the CCBHC is like the, the world's first, uh, at least the United States' first move in that direction. It's been such a great thing to be part of that. What's really interesting from listening to you all talk about this is that you said, Ken, when you first started, that you are one of the first groups to actually look at the the relationship between mental illness and substance abuse. And now you obviously that was recognized when you were selected to be part of that CCBHC. That thing. Um, <laughs> so you, when you were selected to do that, to take that step farther and look at the mm -hmm. whole person, because everything is so interrelated, um, you know, and I think it took it's a shame it took so long, but it's awesome that you guys recognized it earlier to recognize the relationship between the substance and the mental and then to then be able to bring this whole piece together because it is true you going to different doctors for everything nobody really knows what's going on it's a lot easier to make sure that you have one person who's very aware of that person's overall health yeah and, and I, I will add that a lot of people have you know given testimonials that they have been through to many different providers and until they reach cpc um you know with that uh, philosophy of care um, and the client first approach that Ken spoke about, they, you know, they just were unable to, you know, really enjoy recovery. And they, that's what they say. You know, you know, I've been all over, but finally, you know, I found a place that can really help me. 
Yeah, the, and the other thing we mentioned is that, you, you know, when you talk about mental health, um, physical health, and, you know, addiction issues, you know, a lot of the people that have these issues don't have transportation. They don't have the ability to necessarily go to one place for their, their mental health treatment and another place for their addiction and then still be able to get to their primary care. So that's something else that, that we've helped out with as, as well. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, made sure to apply for some Uber Health grants, and Uber Health is a, like a division of Uber that's specific towards getting people towards uh, medical and mental health and addiction appointments. So, yeah, we try to do whatever we can to eliminate the barrier to getting the care needed. So, having those, you know, having the Uber Health on board has been amazing. It's, it's been. I, I'm going to throw in that Lyft. Um, in the pandemic, Lyft has donated free rides as well um, to CPC, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm really grateful to them for their, their support. So um, can I, can I alter the subject, not the subject, the the direction a little bit. So knowing that the pandemic has affected your in-person medical visits as well, um, I know it's affected the way you can pay your people because you are a nonprofit. So much of what you do is in fundraising and donations. Um, I know you face similar situations that the chamber has faced and all, a lot of nonprofits are in that situation right now economically because you are not allowed to have your awareness events and fundraising events. Um, and I like to call them awareness and fundraising at the same time because you are looking for money, but you're also looking for volunteers and you're looking for people to understand what you do. So how have you guys been doing? What are your plans? How do you how are you trying to reach and still get that income in the donations? to maintain these amazing programs? Well, I, you know, we're, we are like many nonprofits and obviously in-person events uh, for the time being are not really going to work. But we, we did move our golf outing from June to August. Um, and since um, there have been relaxation of the restrictions uh, and that event is outside, we, we will be able to uh, hold that. So that is August 24th at Navasin Country Club. And we still have um, availability for people to play and sponsor. Um, and we won't and be so- using Ray's father's leg for this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't scare anybody away. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I just want to know who had a really good putt with that leg. Right? A couple, no, people. Yeah, a couple, couple people. Well, not many. If they decided to kick it in or if they did decide to do the instep in, you know, it was kind of, but it was really more the challenge of, are we going to touch it? That was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> what was the date of that, Carrie? I'm putting it in our, our sure, notes it's, here. It's, it's August 24th at uh, Navasin Country Club. And um, so, and this year we, we have a, a member, an owner of uh, Ozone Fitness whose title is certified, who will be there um, leading a pregame warm-up for people, showing them how to, golfers who are really serious about their game, how they can stretch and prepare for um, a five-hour round of golf. And Navasink has done a great job. Your husband can attest to the fact that he likes playing Navasink. I don't golf. I I, I just love being there. Yeah, the the course in and of itself, I mean, obviously, it's as a private club, most people don't get the opportunity to play it. It is it is worth um, going just to play the course because it is it's in spectacular condition. 
Um, I just drove by it yesterday and said, gosh, I can't wait till August 24th um, <laughs> because that's when I'm going to get out there. So, yes, I, I absolutely, um, you know, Provident Bank, the bank I work for, is on board. We're going to have our team there. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Make an effort to get there. How did they find it and register, Carrie, on your website? Yes, they can go to our website, um, cpcbehavioral.org, and um, they can just click on events, and it'll take you right to the to that section. And we also have um, raffles that we have every year, which are very um, very sought after because we have uh, seven rounds of golf that people can win at nearby exciting clubs, including Navisink, um, Beacon Hill. Uh, we have a round of golf at Stone Harbor, if anybody wants a nice getaway. Um, Rumson, Spring Lake, and um, for a $25 ticket, you could win one of those rounds of golf. So you can also purchase those raffles um, on the website as well. As for, um, I think uh, Ken mentioned our 60th. We are turning 60. And um, unfortunately, we did postpone our celebration, which was to be July 30th. And like many other organizations, we have pushed it back and it will be in the spring of 2021. And um, right now um, we're looking at a late April date and hope that things are in better shape for having an in-person event by then. Um, We're really excited, you know, CPC, has been here for 60 years. It's touched many people's lives and made a difference. And, you know, we're really looking forward to um, that, you know, exciting milestone and celebrating CPC's accomplishments and looking forward to its next 60 years and all that it can do, you know, to, to make the community a good place to live. One of your other committee members for your gala is uh, joining, joined us on our live Facebook as well, Allison Forte. So you have Marie and Allison all listening in to support EMAC and CPC. We love that. Yeah. And one more thing, um, and, and you know, we, we, we all are still working under assumptions, you know, based on um, directives from the state. But in October, if, if things are still okay, we have another event. If you want to jump in and just tell them about we that, Raquette. We have an amazing volleyball tournament that Ken loves to come to every year. It's a beach volleyball tournament that has been hosted by a Driftwood uh, Beach Cabana Club and their Tiki Bar. And they have been amazing, amazing supporters. And this event um, raises funds to provide uh, substance abuse treatment and um, medication-assisted treatment, which I'm going to let Ken jump in on and talk about why that's important. Yeah, well, when you, when you think about the overdose situation, one of the high, most heightened times when someone is at risk for overdose is if, is if they're on medication. So there's medications that, that help people deal with the withdrawal, the cravings. But if they run out of their medication, you know, someone all of a sudden feels sick because they're out of their medication. That's a very, very at-risk time for someone to go seek out uh, you know, illegal drugs. So we uh, have what's called the volleyball fund. We, we have the volleyball tournament and we use that volleyball tournament, uh, the, 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 uh, the money to support funds. So it's, you know, here, hearing the, the term volleyball fund around uh, ARS all the time, addic- addiction recovery, so we'll be like, oh no, so-and-so is running out of their medication. Their Medicaid got canceled or, or whatever, or their, ins- or their private insurance is denying the, the, or their Vivitrol shot and we like volleyball fund. We, 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 without, you know, with no seam in the treatment, 
we'll make sure someone continues on their medication. And uh, it, that's definitely a lifesaver because there, you know, the, if you look at, look online, you'll hear the stories out there of people that ran out of their medication and they went to, you know, they went to go get something else on the street and it killed them. So uh, the volleyball tournament is a very worthwhile thing. And it's interesting. That tournament is one of my favorites as well, because there's a lot of young people come to it. Right. And when we talk about overdose and heroin, you see people get quiet. That young group, they all know somebody who's dead, whether it's a classmate, a cousin. Um, it's it's that been, been that impactful in, in New Jersey yeah. that, you know, that yeah. group really, really gets it. They understand, like, it's a different generation. They've grown up with this and they know yeah. like, wow, this is a real killer. You know what I mean? Right. It's not just a killer of, of it's, it's, it's a non-discriminatory, rich, poor, black, white. It's killed people across all uh, uh, segments of society. So, right. you know, having funding for the medication is important because then there's all the science that shows the medication reduces the overdose rates. It reduces relapse rates. So, you know, we're all for it. We, um, we were very happy to participate, actually. Uh, we had just started Emacs Next Generation um, last year, and their first project they chose was to participate in the volleyball tournament. Unfortunately, they weren't able to participate, but they did raise money. Um, and then, in, yep, and they're, I think they're, that's their goal again for this year. I think they're looking to participate in that in, um, in October as well. And what was really fun is Ray and I usually are always away that weekend. And this past year, we didn't get to go. So we actually went to the tournament. We had a wonderful time just watching. Um, it is an amazing event. People are there. They're happy. They feel why they're there. They're not there just to play volleyball. They're there for a completely different reason. And it is so evident when you speak with them. It's it's amazing. It's a, it's a really... And I mean, if I recall, Carrie, that was also a lo logistics nightmare with the um, oh, the, big, the storms and the <laughs> beach got shortened and they had to hide the course between the cabanas because the water was up so high. But uh, they did an amazing job getting that ready for you so quickly that day, too. And it was just an awesome day at the beach in October. Yeah. It, Bill and his staff were amazing. They were out there at four in the morning with bulldozers to make that happen. Yeah, they really it was. <laughs> they've been amazing supporters. They really, really have. And, um, you know, it's also something we tried to, to build up as a, as a family day, too. So the. You know, the co-chairs, um, Stacy and Mike Borschauer and Chris and Brian Torsivia have done a really great job of bringing in, you know, um, entertainment so that, you know, people who have families bring their families and the kids can get their faces painted or they can play games or they can play on the playground. So it's it's become, you know, a, a great Saturday afternoon. Um, it really is. And years. we're yeah. so lucky to be this close to the beach to be able to do that in October. It's like, you know, local summer is the best thing ever. So we really and we've had we've had some, you know, the first year was was cold and drizzly. But thereafter, we had decent weather and it was like Indian summer. So yeah. we've been pretty lucky. Yeah. Really nice. One of the one of the other uh, jumping back into you know operational side, um, obviously with the everything that's gone on, um, you know, going back a year ago, if you said if you said telehealth uh, and and the ability to serve via that vehicle, yeah. there was pushback from the state, there was pushback from the government. You know, um, obviously, what's happened over the last four months, three four months, is that we've we've actually gone to this. Um, and I think the state and the federal government have jumped on board and saying, OK, yes, go ahead and do it. But 
I think that it's been, if you can maybe shed some light on the success of it so far. Yeah, we're all hoping that there's aspects of telehealth that are here to set, stay. Um, you know, there's there's some sometimes face to face. Nothing you know is better than face to face, and, and where we are looking forward again to you know having in face groups and things like that. But we definitely want to keep telehealth as well because there there's for the people that are, some people that are hard to reach, and it's you know like we talked about transportation or you know childcare issues and things like that. People that having that that telehealth and for things like um, for all aspects of really, but like for medication visits and things like that, therapy. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. Uh, it's 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 great how well people have been able to adapt to it, and we're hoping that we can keep it, you know, at least as an option, you know, uh, because there are some people that they wouldn't get the services without without telehealth. You know, you're right. reaching into people's homes, and uh, and it's awesome. You know, I I run a, a a group every Thursday night, and it's just it's interesting. It's different. You know what I mean? It's like you can do things with the group with telehealth that you couldn't do. You could be like. Somebody could show you things in their house. They could show you their dog, their kids, their, you know what I mean? Like you could really get into someone's world. You know what I mean? With the telehealth. And it's been, it's been, um, and people can, I've had somebody, uh, you know, they were staying with somebody else and they still were able to do their session or people, uh, driving home from work and they put the, you know, they they put it on in their car, you know what I mean? Rather than be late to group, you know, for the first 15 minutes or something like that. So there are great aspects of the telehealth that we're hoping that the state, and really the federal government moves to keep it. Um, again, we eventually, hopefully we all want to go back to whatever normal, whatever normal is, we'll find out with some face to face. Cause there is, you know, face to face is great. And it's the best, but we don't want to eliminate the, the uh, option of telehealth. It's, it's, it's really convenient and it's, and it, it helps people. That's, this is all about getting people what they need. And if telehealth is another way to do that, let's let, I'm all for keeping it, you know? So yeah. I really see the future as being both. Um, I think people have gotten used to doing the new, you know, the telehealth, the Zoom meetings, stuff like that. As far as even running a business now, you have people who can show up for meetings who couldn't have been there before. So from both aspects, you know, and I I can kind of see a nice mix of both, Um, you know, maybe not having to sit in a room every time but if you or if you really need somebody and that person doesn't have time to bring you in for an appointment you know and you don't have time to drive there but they can actually jump on with you for half an hour that's another benefit that you know it's it's i can see it working both ways now it's not i don't think it's going to be just a one or the other i hope so i hope so who do you want me to talk to who do i have to talk to to make that happen (laughs) <laughs> Anybody you can. Write, write your legislators, Jan. Write well, legislators. you know, I have to say I'm pretty lucky to be on the phone with a couple of them these days on a regular basis. So I'll uh, start pushing that in, you know, yeah. as part of the recovery plan. Let's maintain what we've gained from this. So, um, One of the things that we have talked about as, as a board and, um, you know, certainly since I've joined the organization, and I think most of this, you know, tends to be on the mental health side is, is the stigma of, of, of mental health and that, you know, if you're, you know, if you're seeing somebody, then you're crazy that you're, you're, you know, you're dysfunctional and that's obviously a, a big misconception. So maybe you can, you know, give us a little feel for, um, a, how you think that may have shifted over the last number of years. And, um, and, you know, maybe just give a little bit more feedback to us on, on, on how we, kind of bring somebody in and, and let them know it's okay. Sure. Well, 
that's another thing CPC has been uh, involved with for decades as well. Um, we use, uh, we've had training, we've had some of the, some, uh, nationwide experts come in and train the staff on what's called motivational interviewing. And it's a, it's an approach. It's a, it's, it, it's really an, it comes from the addiction world, but you can use it in any, anything where you're dealing with people and without getting into the specifics of it. One piece of it is they, it, it, it uh, promotes what's called non-judgmental empathy. So that's putting aside your own judgments, your own things and getting into that person's world and understanding what, it, you know, what must it be like to, what, what some people overcome just to get into the waiting room, you know, uh, you know, instead of being like, Oh, you know, you're late again for your appointment. And, uh, you know, you think, wow, this instead looking at from a strength-based perspective of that person, like, wow, what must it have taken this person who was just in a hospital for cutting their wrist three weeks ago and they're at home and they have financial problems and they have, uh, you know, all kinds of situations going on, but they got in a taxi and or whatever, and a bus took two buses and they got here and yeah, Maybe they're 20 minutes late, but they got here. You know what I mean? Putting yourself in their, in their position and being like, wow, you know, like this is a person that, uh, you know, needs help and we want to help. And instead of being, you know, that, that whole stigma thing, it's about coming, looking at people from a judgment. Oh, those people, you know, oh, you know, and that's unfortunately one of the things about things like the heroin epidemic has kind of broken down some barriers because now people in all communities have had, had people, uh, with heroin problems. And it's like, well, okay, it's not just some segmented uh, group that, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, some part of town that you don't want to go in. It's, it's everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. So um, it's, it's really an attitude. And we, you know, I've always been involved in the hiring and then things like that. And we look for people who have the right attitude, who are going to look at someone in a non-judgmental way and, uh, and, and display that empathy, getting into your client's world and, and having that, you know, to stay, with the empathy, it draws out your compassion. You know, when you, when you can say, when you can try to understand where someone's coming from and uh, you can never, certain people will never really understand, but you can do what you can to try to understand and get in their world. And that's what breaks down the stigma that breaks down the, um, all that stuff, you know? So it's, it's, it's you know, Vera Sansone, she's at the, she's our CEO and she's at the forefront of all this stuff. Like, the CCBHC getting the grants and, and, but with this non-judgmental empathy that like embodies her, you know, she looks at people as people, whether you're, you know, a billionaire or whether you're homeless, she's about treating people with love and respect. And, and it's not tolerated at CPC to treat people any other way from secretary to CEO, you're required to, to treat people in a, in a loving and caring way. And, and if you don't, you know, it becomes, we, we do something about it. We provide training or if that's maybe someone who doesn't shouldn't be working at CPC because that is definitely our philosophy. Do you guys do an outreach to public education? Um, I know that's not your main focus, but that non-judgmental empathy, it's a great way of saying that. I, I love that. Um, you know, the more people that you speak to, people start talking about it more. Again, it's the, a little bit of the stigma has gone where people don't mind admit, admitting. And it might be, I find it more in a younger generation that people don't mind admitting they're going to therapy um, or don't mind admitting they struggle with something. Um, and I think they're finding that empowering. But do you do anything to reach out and, and inform the public and, and educate the public on this non-judgmental empathy? And to put yourself in someone's shoes, because it really is, um, you know, I've struggled with depression for 23 years. Um, and 
you know, to look at me, nobody would ever know that and guess that because it's just not my normal nature. Um, but then having, you know, I know my children probably won't mind me saying this, but my children, both of them deal with anxiety and depression and anxiety are similar, but different. And it took me a long time to understand their anxiety, but them speaking to me about it and helping me learn has helped me understand their behaviors more. So I'm just wondering, like, is there a program or even if it's not you guys, do you know of a program that's out there educating the public on that non-judgmental empathy? Yeah, no, we do it all the time. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, we have some great uh, trainers at CPC, but it's funny you brought up depression. That's like actually a good example to bring up, you know, when you're depressed, I, I didn't know that about you, but you, but now you can empathize with someone who is depressed and there's nothing worse than somebody saying, Hey, why don't you just get over it? Or, yeah, right? why, or why don't you just think happy thoughts? You know, because, you know, if I could think happy thoughts, I wouldn't be depressed. Right. You know, like, it's not like you, you know, as if you're choosing it, you know what I mean? It's just like with somebody, uh, with, with somebody's on using drugs in an addictive way, like, why don't you just stop? Well, if I could stop, I wouldn't be addicted. Same right. with anxious. Why don't you just calm down? You know, it's not that easy. It's you not. Know, these, are, these are, these are diseases. You know, yeah. it would be like saying somebody to diabetes with diabetes. Why don't you just regulate your blood sugar? You know, it's it's not that it's not that easy. So um, we yeah, we that's big part of our mission. And I'm I'm personally part of that. We do a lot of training all the time. Uh, that's one that's like kind of, a, you know, we do the fundraising, but we also do a lot of marketing through education. And, uh, you know, we're always available. We get calls all the time. I got a, I got a call recently from a a, um, a, a, a an area, a big company in the area, and we're going to do a, a webinar with their staff on, on uh, coping with anxiety and depression. So that's we're 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 very into that. We we want to do community education. We do a ton of it, and then um, we got a really good team for that. We got a, some people who specialize. You know, that's you know, talking, doing public engagement is uh, it's a big part of our mission. Definitely, we want we want people to know about. You know, that's inter- getting people help. That's yeah. great because, you know, as ingrained as our family is in CPC, that is one aspect I did not know that you provided. Um, you know, and I can see, especially now with more and more people suffering from even just feeling down, not even diagnosed depression or diagnosed anxiety, but just feeling so different in this situation. Having everybody having that information out there is really a great way to ex- to help. So, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I threw our kid. I threw our kids out there, but I know they don't mind. So, <laughs> they talk and about I it all the time. To say, to, you know, one of my uh, colleagues who's in um, a hospital, um, and I spoke uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, and she said to me, "You know, you are the next front line, CPC and behavioral health care providers. We will be the next front line as the, um, you know, the." medical aspect of this shifts mm-hmm. and uh, the dust settles. Yeah, that is very true. Very true. Is so there, it is good. It is yeah. good. People know, you know, that um, that Ken and, and another team of uh, people are here to, you know, to, to do the, the webinar that he's uh, referred to and, and uh, talk about depression and anxiety, because, you know, it, it is important for people to have a better understanding um, of it. And and how to and how to access help, right? Is there anything else that um, you know, we're we're running close to towards the end? So I just wonder if there's anything else that we didn't touch on that you think might be relevant, important, or or something else um, you know the, that the public needs to know about CPC. 
You guys did a great job with your questions. I got to give you credit. No, no, I feel like in the past hour, we definitely encompassed what I would want to as far as far as letting the public know, you know, the basic mission. We're here for people of all kinds. And uh, and, uh, you know, it's people first. And and that's definitely what I want people to know. And uh, we'll find a way to get get in, you know, what I mean? as far as, um, you know, uh, funding wise or whatever. We our job is to try to you know help you overcome the barriers and the obstacles to get into treatment and to get what you need. So, no, I'm glad we covered a lot of those bases. The CCBHC is another one I'm glad we covered. And because uh, that's an, uh, that's going to be the new normal as far as from treatment, that's going to be the the um, you know now it's a pilot program, but that will be hopefully God willing the uh, the the norm for treatment that integrated care throughout the country, and it is moving in, in that direction. So no, it's a great organization, and uh, we have great leadership, and uh, we're you know I'm, I'm I'm proud to work there. Well, I do want to thank you guys, too, because you are one of our members, um, an EMAC member. And, um, you know, it's nice that we can partner in helping you fundraise, help get your word out. Um, and we appreciate what you do for us as well, because you're big supporters of the chamber as well. So we, we really do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, and I believe that that CPC relationship with the chamber existed prior to Ray becoming chair and me becoming director. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you guys have been members of the chamber for a while. Very long time. Decades. I'm having trouble understanding right now. Great. At least 30 plus years. Oh, that's great. So we thank you for that. And, um, you know, we we appreciate your support as well in that. So um, I think that's one of the great things about Monmouth County. We, We, you know, we really all work together to create that safety net for our our residents. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I'm the chair of the board, and I, I, I know a lot about what's going on, but I, I, I can't, and I've said it earlier, and I'll, I can't say it enough that, um, you know, the people at CPC work hard, constantly, and they are so dedicated to the people that they serve, to our clients, and, um, you know, this, the pandemic hit actually CPC very hard. The majority of the senior staff um, did contract the virus. Um, and some more, uh, some worse than others. And, um, you know, where they were things going on where, uh, you know, that our CFO, Dan Burns, um, who had the virus, was, was working literally through it to make sure that we got the funding that we needed, um, you know, through the various government programs. So the dedication and, and support of the organiz- of the employees of the organization is 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 fantastic and Carrie and, and Ken um, I can't say enough great things about all the work that you do for CPC. Well thank, thank you. you Ray. Thank you like, Ray. likewise. I know it's just a big love fest of Ray Eckhoff today, isn't it? <laughs> that's why he showed up. He wants the love. I oh, yeah. that yeah, that's it. Because he's oh such a you know attention monger um so anyway i thank you very much for well, coming in today you thank you it was thanks. fun yeah, and, thanks for having us uh, great next we hope to have you back someday in the studio with all the fun toys Absolutely. it's really awesome you don't even know what we get to do when we go off camera we get to play with them all it's really fun nice. <laughs> so thanks again to a shared universe with ming chen and um being open, congratulations, one of the, in the first round, I think. Um, I hope everybody gets an opportunity to enjoy dining out. Um, it has been a pleasurable experience for me. Very impressed the way um, businesses are handling, the restaurants are handling their cleaning. And, you know, it's, when people work together, it really is safe. And um, 
it's great. So it's nice to be back into the world. And we will be back on our podcast in two weeks here at the studio with Kelly and Stu Josberger, who own Stumpy's Hatchet House. So they'll be talking about a lot of different things they've experienced during the pandemic and what they're going to offer when they get to open. So thank you guys very much for being here. And we will see you all in two weeks. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Take guys. care, everybody.